welcome to Local Anaesthetic Podcast, your weekly injection of mind-numbing local news. My name is Alex, this is my co-host Rob. Evening all. Um, the format of the show is quite simple, myself and Rob comment on stories from our uh, respective hometowns which we've found amusing for the purposes of criticism, comment, parody. Um, for myself that's uh, South East London, so I'm reporting on stories from the New Shopper, but I also report on stories from the Bournemouth Echo because um, yeah, because I can, because my family... They um, have a second home. They don't have a second... The home belonged to my grandmother. We established this last week. She belonged to my grandmother, so they didn't buy a second home. It was bequeathed to them, Rob. You know what my family have? <coughs> uh, no second home. <laughs> stick of the dump. <laughs> but you do have a, a small tent, but I don't think our season's a second home. I'm not sure. Um, and Rob reports on stories from uh, Swindon and Stroud. Yes. Um, but, actually, but actually this week I think you're exclusively reporting on listener emails that we've I had am, in. although one listener who's actually emailed in from, from Stroud so I'll still be covering the Stroud news in general so we'll still be covering the Stroud news yeah, in general good, yeah. good um, y- yes, um, now we can be found in numerous places we can be found on iTunes if you search for Local Anaesthetic Podcast or you search for Alex and Rob uh, and we also have a website, and uh, I, I did give out the new address for the website last did, week, didn't I? But we'll I give it out again. Oh yes, I need to keep giving out. It's a very simple address. It's lapodcast.net, lapodcast.net, and there you can see our fancy new website, and you can download all of the episodes there, or you can follow the links to iTunes. Rob, do you want to tell other people where we can be found? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we can also be found on Facebook at uh, www.facebook com forward slash local anaesthetic podcast and also we're on twitter at la podcast if if they're having listeners on uh bebo and myspace too bad that was uh that was the 1990s <laughs> 1990s or was it 1990s or early 2000s early 2000s yeah no, that's more it wasn't early 1990s rob I that was the time of teenage mutant ninja turtles and beverly hills 90210 i don't recall bebo or myspace <laughs> being there i'm still stuck in the early 1990s well because the things were better then they were. Now, last week uh, we did have our first uh, genuine listener email from a guy called Rich down in Plymouth. So the competition, we have to tell everybody, is now closed. We said that the first email we got and that we read out on air, which we did last week, that person would receive a signed card from myself and Rob with a pound sellotaped inside. And we've bought a very nice card for Rich. It's lovely. And you're going to be sending that off in the next couple of days. I will, you? yes. It will hopefully be posted off tomorrow morning and uh, it'll be winging its way down to Plymouth. Yes, and, uh, and uh, Rich left us a very nice review on iTunes, and one of our other email contributors this week has also left us a very nice um, review on iTunes, and she, she actually works for a, a, a website in Stroud, is that correct? Cause she's she up, does, yeah. Because uh, she's done an interview with us. Do you want to tell she, people yeah, about that? This is, uh, her name's Jill. Um, yeah, and uh, this is from Jill, who um, works for Stroud People. And uh, she contacted us after hearing one of the, uh, the the podcasts and asked if we'd be happy to do a, an interview, which we've we've emailed the questions that hopefully will be coming out soon. But um, she sent us two stories and also has left us a lovely review on iTunes and tries to reassure us that Stroud isn't a communist. Well, I'm worried that she is and has a flower shop. She is contacting us on behalf of the communist regime. You know, they know that we have cottoned onto them. Mm-hmm. She's a spy. She could, yeah. I never thought about that before. It's possible. Shall I kick us off? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. This is a great story, Rob. And uh, I mean, the story in itself is is great, but there is another reason why I think you'll you'll find it especially pleasing. Okay. This is uh, from the New Shopper, um, and uh, it's a story about uh, something that happened in Shortlands, which isn't actually that far from here. It's probably about a fifteen minute drive. Okay. Um, and it's by Rachel Connor, and uh, the headline is simply this. Rare badger spotted lying dead in woodlands in Shortlands. 
Oh, that's a shame. Uh, I'm just going to quickly show you a picture of the animal. What do you think that yeah, that's is? That's not Adam? a badger. Uh, well, it is a badger. No, it's not a badger. It is a badger. I'm going to read you it's the a story. It's a hog. Yeah, it does look a bit like a hog, it does, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. No, Rob, it's a rare albino badger. Oh, okay. A rare. Is it albino or albino? I say albino. I'm going to say albino then. <laughs> a rare albino badger has been spotted well, lying dead in some woodlands in Shortlands. Rob Davies of Kingswood Road was out walking his dog with his family when they saw the animal. I didn't kill it! Now, Rob's name is Rob Davies, um, although I have often suggested that your surname suggests that you might be from the Welsh Valleys and isn't your name meant to be pronounced Davies. Are you going to start making derogatory comments about Wales again? I've never made derogatory comments about Wales on this podcast and I love Wales. We have very few Welsh listeners, so you probably could get away with it. Oh yeah, do they not show up on our statistics yet? No. Mm. There's Scot- the Scotland's been showing up now. People in Wales are too busy playing... The People's Postcard Lottery! <laughs> Anybody who's seen that advert with that it's awful really Welsh man knows what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Rob Davies, uh, your namesake, of Kingswood Road, was out walking his dog with his family when they saw the animal. It's not technically my namesake because it's not Davies. The 46 year old said he spotted the badger in the woods next to Crab Hill, opposite <laughs> the entrance to Ravensbourne Railway Station. Okay. He said, My wife. Kids and I were walking the dog near Ravensbourne Station when we saw this. It's a strange sight to see. I've never th- seen anything like it before. I can be sure to say it's definitely dead, as we've seen it two weeks running. <laughs> and we prodded it with a stick. <laughs> no, he didn't <laughs> say that. dog attacked it. Albino badgers are rare, but occur in, sm- in a small number of specific localities, including Kent, Essex, Berkshire and Dorset. Berkshire, Berkshire. and Dorset. An RSPCA spokesman said the photo appears to show an, albi- an albino-semi-albino badger. Albinism is the most frequent variation, though still uncommon, and tends to be clustered in certain locations. This occurrence relates to the genetic basis of the condition. And then the new shopper asks at the end, helpfully, Have you seen the badger? Call the newsroom on 01689885721. So they're effectively asking, Have you seen this dead badger? (laughs) Well, the comments... (laughs) Bothered44 says... Have you seen the badger call the newsroom? You've just said it's dead. I'm sure it's not going to travel. And how many stories of dead albino badgers do you want to report? <laughs> could, could we not call the newsroom and say, yes, I've seen the picture of the dead badger? <laughs> or, or we could say, yes, I saw it wandering past my house last night. <laughs> I was going to took the, took it was the, sleeping. Took the action. Yeah. It, it was resting. <laughs> oh, there's a good dead parrot sketch. Yeah, they should, say, somebody yeah. should update it the, with the albino badger. The dead. Yeah, that's good. Um, next person, busy mum. Okay. So it's still busy. Yeah. Dear new shopper, shouldn't the photo caption read rare dead badger spotted in short ones? <laughs> and as Bothered44 says, why on earth are you asking us whether anyone has seen it and to call the newsroom? Has the body gone missing? Do you suspect foul play or do you think someone might be trying to flog a dead badger off to unsuspecting punters in the pub? What is this story about? To coin the words of Michael Jackson, the late and deceased Michael Jackson, <laughs> it doesn't matter whether he's black or white, he's dead. Slightly inappropriate <laughs> comment. <laughs> Bearing in mind that Michael Jackson is dead. I'm not sure she that, made the connection. Brilliant. Yeah. No, I like that. That's do you good. think she? Do you think? I'm not sure she intended it to be that clever, Rob, to work on that many Possibly, levels. Possibly, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I, I'm going to tell you something now that I haven't told you yet because I said I sent the questions, to, uh, the answer to Alex. Uh, well, hang on a minute. Just clarify what you mean. What happened was Gillian Stroud sent us a list of questions yes, for, for email. for the interview. Sorry, for the interview. It was an interview done by email. Yeah. And we wrote the answers back. We we can we we conferred with each other. We we th- and and you've sent the answers back. Yeah, and we mentioned the news shopper in the first question. Now, I didn't realise that it's actually called the news shopper. It's not the news shopper. Is it called the news shopper? The news shopper because it reports on news. Yeah, I thought it was called the news shopper. Why would you think that? Well, I don't know. I You're an idiot. It was, it was a very strange name for a paper. <laughs> 
So I mean, why didn't you? Why didn't you think in your head? Why didn't you sit and think and think? It's about news. Well, I did. I said. Do you think I we sent report? Follow up email saying, "I'm sorry, I just realised that it's actually the news shopper." After and not the, the news shopper. Yeah. I'm not sure you should have admitted <laughs> this. You're an idiot. Use what's called inference logic. Well, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Right. This story is one of Rich's uh, from again. This is Plymouth, uh, which reports. Well, the website's called This Is Plymouth. Yeah. Which reports. Uh, I think it's the. It's the which uh, which the acronym I guess is Tip. <laughs> I guess it is. Yes. Which is uh, in in Britain is also uh, another word for a dump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't dispute that. Um, it's it's the online version of the Plymouth Herald. Uh, there's no reporters cited, and the story is. Hang on a minute. If it's the online version of the Plymouth Herald, why isn't it called the Plymouth Herald? Dot com. The Swindon Advertiser, when it ports on Swindon, is called This Is Swindon Town. But why didn't... I don't know, Alex. I don't. Really, I don't. I haven't gone into that much detail. Well, a bit like how our... Okay, to be fair, a bit like how our website address is lapodcast.net, but the actual title of the show is Local Anesthetic. Okay, I'll let it go. Trust me, looking out the window, we're definitely not in LA. <laughs> no, we're not. No. no. Um, okay. It's uh, raining quite heavily. It does rain in LA as well, Rob. It does, yeah. Not constantly like this, and it has done for a lot. I'm not going to start talking about the weather on here. That's what's brilliant is <laughs> what's brilliant is is as people know from listening two weeks ago is that a drought was announced and a host pipe bam and since then it has been raining constantly. Yeah, it's quite fortuitous actually. Okay, the headline: Toads need patroller to help cross roads. Volunteers are being sought to help toads cross roads in Devon. Experts, volunteers? Yeah, people what, are volunteering from the toad community. <laughs> uh, no, I think it means humans. Yes, definitely. But we don't, we don't subscribe to other animals to help us cross the road. We have like a lollipop. As far as I know, lollipop ladies are human. Right, pelican. Pelican, pelican crossing. crossing. You're an idiot. There's not a pelican there. crossing, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah they see, yeah. Uh, experts estimate 20 tonnes of creatures are killed on Britain's roads every year. 20 tonnes? 20 tonnes. Yeah. It's quite a lot. Yeah. Good feed the homeless for that. A good idea for government policy. Yeah. Roadkill for the homeless. Yeah. Um, tow patrol has been set up where volunteers help the toads uh, across busy stretches at this, in brackets, crucial time of the year. I- I'm not sure why. I'm guessing this why is... Why is this a crucial time of the year for toads? Is this where, do they migrate at this time of the year? Do they have to do the great journey across the M25 or it whatever? It doesn't elaborate why it's crucial. Um, this spring, the Devon Reptile and Amphibian Group and Devon Wildlife Trust have teamed up to promote uh, tow patrols in the county, supported by the charity Frog Life. Devon Reptile and Amphibian Group. Yes. Which, an acronym for, would be DRAG. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it would be DRAG, yeah. But that's the end of the story. I just found that amusing. What do they mean, crucial time of the year? Oh, Why are we interfering in evolution, Rob? It's survival of the fittest. How are these toads ever going to evolve? How are they ever going to progress? Surely the ones who manage to cross the road, the ones that are quick and adept at uh, jumping out the way of the cars, they're the ones who should survive. The ones who aren't, that's the end of it. I think the point is that none of them are getting across. That's the actual issue here. I and mean, this is the crucial time of year for the toad. Why? They, they should say this is lazy journalism. I'm you can't just write it's a crucial time of year. Why is it a crucial time of year? Well, I'm assuming they're mating, I would have thought. Yeah, Why did they have to cross the road to mate? Why did the toad cross the road to mate? To have sex? That's not funny. Uh, no, I don't know. It doesn't go on to say. But, um, yeah. It's just, I think it's... It's, it's, it's just a picture that's quite tragic. Because you literally... There's quite a few volunteers there. And obviously they must have stopped traffic and they've got floodlights lighting the road so those poor toads can be... Are these be people being paid or are they volunteers? No, they're volunteers. So somebody here saw an advert and said, I, 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 that's what I've always wanted to do. Darling, I've, I'm doing something um, uh, each night this week. Mm. I am volunteering to be a... Uh, what would it be called? What would their name be? A toad crosser. 
Well, that sounds like some maybe weird... Toad Patrol's assistant, something like that. I don't know. Or if you maybe a Toad uh, assistant patroller, which could then be Tap. A lot of acronyms this evening. Okay, <laughs> thank you for that, Rich. <laughs> This, this next story is a bit strange, and, it, and it's quite apt. I mean, we're recording this on, um, on Wednesday, on a Wednesday, and Wednesday in, uh, is, is the day when we have Prime Minister's questions, when the, uh, the Prime Minister of our country has to uh, stand in the Houses of Parliament and answer questions from his colleagues for half an hour. Yeah, it's been quite a big news day, so there's been a lot going on. Yeah. Um, for anybody who lives in the UK, you will, you will know that, because it's Wednesday the... It's Wednesday the 25th. 25th. But this, this is so fortuitous, really, that the new shopper did an article on this. this is, do you remember when Alan Woods went to cash converters and they wrote this big piece about it? Of course I do. Uh, well, they've now gone... It's not Alan Woods, it's somebody else. It's Dan Keel from the new shopper. He's gone to the Houses of Parliament. To sell his possessions? Uh, no, uh, to review the experience of going to Prime Minister's Questions. There was this, I don't know, uh, slow news week for the new shopper, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so the headline is... Every week's a slow week for the new shopper. If theatre tickets are out of your budget, so this is just for somebody like you, Rob, this is, <laughs> you could do a lot worse than apply for vi- a visitor's pass to Prime Minister's Questions. In fact, um, based on your penchant for you know, attending free things, I'm really surprised that you have not applied... Oh, you have, haven't you? You've I've been to a parliamentary debate, yeah. But you haven't been to Prime Minister's Questions? No, no, no. OK. Uh, Dan Keel watched David Cameron trade blows, not literally, with MPs <laughs> on the floor of the Commons. The Houses of Parliament are special because they are just so exclusive. That's his opening line. <laughs> He's obviously a lover, of, a lover of elites. <laughs> Very few people will ever boast of strolling around the sets of some of our nation's most celebrated events, but it is possible if you're prepared to wait. Is sets the right word? Oh, I know. Well, it's a strangely written article. Okay. Let's start at the entrance. After visiting New York Newark Airport shortly after 9-11, I know what a thorough pat-down feels like, but nothing could prepare <laughs> me... But nothing could prepare me for the intimate treatment I received at the hands of Burley Bruce, in inverted commas, at Westminster. Right. However, after successfully navigating the numerous machines and guards... Machines? Yeah, scanners. Oh, okay. Extra machines. I was ushered through to Westminster Hall, famous for King Henry VIII tennis matches, and more recently for sheltering the Queen Mother's body as she laid in state. I've got a more... There's, no, Westminster Hall is most famous because it's where King Charles I was beheaded. Yeah, well, he doesn't mention that. Maybe it was a bit too. Idiot. Maybe it was a bit too morbid. A guided tour also included our dent in a bench in the House of Lords. Thoughts had been caused by Winston Churchill's ring as he banged his fist down during his famous "We shall fight them on the beaches" speech. There is also visible Second World War damage to the entrance of the House of Commons. Winston Churchill requested this was not repaired as a legacy of Britain's fighting spirit. Oh, okay. But the real action began in the central lobby, filled with constituents using their constitutional right to lobby MPs on this small piece of floor. And yes, that's where the word lobby comes from. So that's where the word lobby comes from. I didn't know interesting. That. I didn't know that. Seconds later, the Speaker of the House, John Burko, emerged smiling and waving as he slowly made his way to the Commons floor to umpire a furious PMQ session. I was then shuffled up an old musty staircase with shabby carpet for yet another pat-down before gazing down at the chamber through a glass screen, which ironically was erected before Father Sir Justice pelted Tony Blair with a flower-filled condom in 2004. The house was full and David Cameron arrived to cheers from his MPs. There is no doubt about it, some of the MPs genuinely hate each other. The footage you see on TV may look like a circus act, but up close you can sense the rage some members feel towards one another. Pomp and pageantry are what Britain does best. Mixed it with the kind of emotion you see in a football ground and Prime Minister's questions produces some unrivaled real-life drama. The waiting with the PMQs can be more than a year. 
Now, he's given his verdicts here, Rob, on best speaker, best question and most irritating MP. Best question, Stephen Gilbert from the Liberal Democrats. Okay. The Prime Minister will be aware that no VAT is chargeable on caviar, yet the government proposed to charge VAT on the Cornish pasty. Can he tell me why this is fair? Cutting. Good. Is that, he thinks that's the best question. Most irritating MP, Ed Balls, by a mile. The Shadow Chancellor's relentless heckling, arm-waving and pointing was both annoying and completely ignored by everyone. His frequent horizontal arm gesture was aimed at George Osborne and designed to signal a flatline economy, but instead made him look a little bit like a Nazi. <laughs> comments <laughs> i make sense says dan dares to tell us what we all know already don't call us we'll call you i mean what is that article about i mean it's nothing. just stated yeah it's nothing and it's and ron who often leaves cheeky comments ron 1952 says quotes uh uh the uh the uh, journalist here but nothing could prepare me for the intimate treatment i received at the hands of burly bruce <laughs> and he says well i hope you got his phone number danny boy text me wink Love Ron. Nice. Nice. Okay, uh, the next story I've got is one that Jill's sent in from the... Um, Jillian Stroud. The S&J. Um, once again, there's a, there's a, <laughs> a reporter um, connection to the... I can't look at... I need to stop looking at the picture. Um, report, uh, there's a reporter connected to the story, which is Nick Wakefield, yet again. Um, He's not their only journalist, yeah? Yeah. And uh, the headline is, um, Bizarre Police E-Fit Shows Theft Gang Donning Downton Abbey Disguises. Right, so these are some these are some thieves who've dressed up as if they're in Downton Abbey to yeah, do a robbery. And the, um, unusual police e-fits have been released uh, of a trio of thieves whose disguises appear to have been borrowed from the set of hit period drama Downton Abbey. The historically garbed gang assorting uh, connection with two distraction thefts, a supermarket in Gloucestershire in the past... In the past months, distraction theft. Distraction theft. Is that what it sounds like? Somebody creates distraction, distra- some distraction, and then somebody goes in and yeah, exactly that. An image of an unshaved man wearing what appears to be a t- uh, traditional sailor's hat was issued following the most recent incident at Branch of Morrison's in Cheltenham. His female accomplice has fiery red hair and bears a striking resemblance to another woman wanted in connection with an earlier scam who appears to have time travelled from the 1920s with ruby red lipstick, false eyelashes, and an old-fashioned turban hat. Um, all three looked as though they could have, stre- uh, have stepped straight off the set of Downton Abbey or an episode of Prowro and clearly wore the, uh, the classical costumes to disguise their true identities. The most recent theft occurred between midnight and 1pm, uh, sorry, uh, midday and 1pm on Friday, April the 6th in the car park of Morrison's in the uh, Haverley Way, Cheltenham. A woman distracted a shopper by asking for directions while her male accomplice, uh, accomplice is suspected of stealing her purse. Uh, in the earlier incident on March the 10th, a 73-year-old woman fell victim to an, a similar distraction theft outside Morrison's, Cheltenham, which resulted in her, in her stolen debit card being used to buy £1,000 worth of items. Right, these are police e-fits, okay? Oh my god. Now... <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> the problem is the listener can't see it. So if you imagine, I think the face is sort of a, a quite detailed computer-generated face, but then for the hat... It looks like somebody's made it out of that South Park cutting paper. How hard would it have been to find a good picture of a, this sort of hat, a sailor's hat, online? It looks like someone has gone onto Microsoft Paint and painted what looks like... Well, it doesn't even look like a, a sailor's hat, does it? It looks like a sort of flattened-down chef's hat. Right. What, co- what colour... It looks sa- like South Park, doesn't it? It does, yeah. But, but what colour sailor's hats... Do you identify hats? with sailors? I identify them with blue, not beige. No, no, no. You're wrong. Sailor's hats are white with, like, a, a, a oh, blue right. ribbon. Oh, you should have said navy. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Sure. That's clearly brown. Well, beige. Yeah. Okay, and this oh, is the God, next one. 
So they... <laughs> so these are appalling. What I want to, what I want to get across to the to the listeners is that they've obviously used some quite advanced computer generated um, like eFit or whatever technology yeah, for the faces, yeah. but. But then somebody, it looks like they've taken it home there to, to, to complete the extraneous details like this woman's hair that I'm looking at now, or the guy's sailor's hat. It's like they've taken it home to their child, yeah. given them an iPad, and just let them like, scribble, over, scribble it over it yeah. in a very cheap paint program. This is ridiculous. And this is the last one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the best. That really is the best, yeah. Uh, she doesn't like she from the 1920s. Anybody who's listening, please, if you've got a computer with you, just go on to the stroudnewsandjournal.co.uk and what should they search for? What's the uh, headline? The, the, if, you, if you search, the, the headline is Bizarre Police Efits Show Theft Gang Donned uh, Downton Abbey Disguises. So I think if you just type Downton Abbey yeah, you into the search up. engine of the Stroud News and Journal, I'm assuming you'd only get one hit back. Can I just put out right? So a big supermarket in Morrison must have CCTV. Surely these would stand out a mile off. Hang on a minute. It's hang on a minute. When you dissect this, this story makes no sense. Would you not be slightly perturbed about somebody coming up to you in a car park in Morrison's? Yeah. Asking for directions dressed in that peculiar fashion. That in itself would make me think, hold up, this is very odd. At 12 o'clock in the... Uh, at 12 noon. Yeah. So it's not like it's at night where you might think they're going no, to have a fancy dress midday. party. You'd think these people were yeah. mentally deranged. You would not stop and give them directions and leave your first unattended. And also, those three of them, I'm sorry, but I've been watching closely all three of them, not just one, because literally they're going to come. They're going to come as a trio. There's no way you could you could separate you could separate them. Unless out. everybody looks like this in Stroud. This is Cheltenham. Cheltenham's a place. Cheltenham's the, uh, I was born in Cheltenham. It's a very um, affluent town. It's, it has a it has GCHQ, which is obviously the headquarters of military intelligence. Right. <laughs> I've just lost you now, haven't I? I mean, maybe it's just me. In South East London, if anybody approached you in a car park of a supermarket, you know, you, you get out of the can of mace. <laughs> <laughs> OK, Rob, this next story is from the um, Bournemouth Echo. Okay. And it, it has been difficult for me sifting through stories every week because I'm finding there are just loads of weird things going down in Bournemouth. Um, and a lot of the, unlike the stories that you get... These sto- in Bournemouth, it seems like everybody in the community just comments on these stories. I mean, let's go. They, they care about local area. This had this had fifty six comments, which I nice. whittled down. Okay, this is the um, <clears throat> this is the headline: Council takes away Muslim shoes for safety reasons, and it's by <laughs> oh Harriet God. Marsh. Um, <laughs> a practicing Muslim says he was trapped in his home after Bournemouth Council took all his shoes. Oakley Curley, who keeps his shoes in the corridor outside his West Howe flat for religious reasons, was alarmed to find them all missing on Thursday morning. The 35-year-old security guard of Pilot Height Road says the council told him the shoes had been removed as they were a fire hazard and charged him £25 to get them back. The doormat he keeps his work shoes and two pairs of trainers on is allowed to stay because he needs it, he was told. Mr. Mr. Curley, who who moved in last May, said for religious reasons we cannot take shoes inside the house. People are sick outside or spit on the floor and there's dog myth. We leave our shoes outside because we pray inside. It's the same with the mosque. At first he thought the shoes had been stolen until a neighbour said they saw a council worker earlier. Mr. Crowley says a housing officer told him the shoes were a fire hazard and tenancy agreements banned keeping items in the hall of the block. Mr. Crowley said, I'd have thought item meant wardrobes or bicycles or old fridges, you know, the sort of stuff that you get outside your flat. It's just shoes. He added, I said, if there's a fire now, how can I go outside because you took my shoes away? This is wrong. The doormat is an item as well. They said, you need that. And I said, well, I need my shoes as well. It does not make any sense. 
No mention was made of Mr. Crowley's shoes during an inspection two weeks ago, he said, when a neighbour was asked to move a pot plant from the hall. <laughs> Mr. Crowley has special safety shoes to wear to work at Paul Magistrates Court, but had to go in wearing flip-flops on Thursday. Nice. He said everyone was laughing and thought the council had been pathetic. It basically goes against diversity and religion. Now, before I move on to the comments, Rob, I have, an, I have a slight issue with this. Okay. Well, actually, what's your take on it? He needs to buy a shoe rack. Right, OK, yeah. Uh, I am a Muslim by faith. So I have some knowledge of this. He's, he's saying, we, I have to keep my shoes outside the house. No, he doesn't. And he's saying it's the same with the mosque. No, it's not. You don't go to a mosque and leave your shoes outside the mosque. You go into it and there is a, as you just said, there's, there's a area where you keep your shoes. So that's the first issue. So when you come into my... And lots of people take their shoes off in the house anyway, but what you do is you come in and you maybe leave them in an entranceway. Hmm. You don't leave your shoes outside in the street. <laughs> and the other thing is, is, is if you're Muslim and you pray, you pray on a prayer mat, right? Hmm. And that prayer mat is, is something that you put down on the floor so it's clean when you pray. So therefore, whether or not you wear your shoes inside is kind of a moot point. Fair point. So I just want to say that. And the comments sort of... Re- Reflect some of this. Okay, first one, Shuttle X says, Mr. Crillet, who moved in last May, said for religious reasons we cannot take shoes inside the house. They say, you are totally wrong, Mr. Crillet. You can take shoes in- indoors. You come across as just another person who wants everyone else to change their way of life and rules just because you don't like them. The rules are there for a reason. If you didn't like them, why did you sign your tenancy agreement accepting them? Penhale says, okay. Mr. Crillet said, if there is a fire now, how can I go outside because you took my shoes away? And they comment on this. If my house was on fire, the last thing I would be worried about would be my shoes. All I'd want to do is get out as fast as I could. Uh, I like the next comment by Rudolf Hucker, who says, I'm glad... <laughs> Rudolf Hucker. I'm glad they've taken his shoes away. Okay. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> In capitals. Nice. HRH of Boscombe says, Really sick and tired of this religion card as an excuse for every little inconvenience. It's really juvenile and it looks pathetic over something so trivial. Stories like this really don't help integration and foster bad feelings to the faith in general. He should be ashamed to drag a faith through the mud over a petty flap about where to leave his shoes. Anony Mouse says, last comment, good for the council, shame they didn't take him away with the shoes. Now, for my point, why has this foreigner managed to get a council stroke housing authority oh, property Christ. when there are English people who are not able to? I think he was born in this country, by the way. (laughs) Never mind. Okay, uh, next story is from This Is Plymouth, once again. And it's still one of of Rich's. Uh, Rich has submitted this story, has he? Yeah, this was actually only from two days ago. (laughs) Just to see that. Uh, The headline is, uh, Escaped Beaver Rescued After Falling Into Pit of Farm Slurry. (laughs) Yeah, you should have read this after my badger story. Yeah, sort of escaped beaver. What is it? Yeah, escaped beaver rescued after falling into pits of farm slurry. Right, we're interfering with evolution again. I see. <laughs> yeah, an escaped beaver was so eager to get away when spotted uh, hiding under a tract on a farm near Plymouth that it blundered its way into a barn full of cow manure. Eager beaver. Yeah, it's clever. See what I've done there. Um, despite his initial growls and impressive teeth, staff gently cleaned the beaver using warm water. The park's uh, George Hyde said he's the, size of a, he's the size of a medium dog. And when he was found, he was upset, angry and covered in excrement. Hang on a minute. He's the size of a medium dog. Isn't he just the size of a beaver? I'd like to know what the size of a beaver is. I'd imagine the size of a beaver is the size of a medium dog. A beaver is the size of a beaver, isn't it? Yeah, but I suppose... But there's not many beavers in this country. Oh, no, I see them around here all the time. Those are rats. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Big rats. Big rats, yeah. 
Uh, the female RSPCA inspector was very brave uh, and got him into a dog, a dog travelling container and brought him to us. Um, we thought he might be hurt, but there's no sign of injury and he doesn't seem to mind being cleaned. He added, beavers are quite difficult to contain and we have none in our collection, but we have set up a temporary accommodation for him. We will look after him and feed him, but we are unlikely to oh, keep him. God's sake, so he gets temporary accommodation. What about all the British people born in this country? Yeah, what about the British animals? Hedgehogs, for Christ's sake. Yeah, bloody beavers taking up all our accommodation. <laughs> uh, Get be- out! <laughs> the believe- uh, the- Get back to Canada. Is that where they're from? I think so. Yeah, Found North America, right. Canada, yeah. yeah. Um, the Be- beavers believed to be one of the three which escaped from the captivity near Lifton in 2008. Uh, the other two, both female, were soon recaptured. He literally made a break for freedom and got... And ended up in a pile of shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Metaphorically and physically. Beavers normally live in family groups, survive its 24 years in the wild and 35 in captivity and eat vegetation and wood. Oh, so they live longer in captivity. Apparently What so. are you trying to escape for, you idiot? He didn't know that, did he? Yeah, but he found out when he found, fell into the slurry, didn't he? He should have... He went back with his tail between his legs. Uh, there are some comments. Um, oh, great. Yeah. So people in Plymouth like to comment on stories, do they? Yeah, but you can probably think about it. I mean, there's mention of a beaver, and it's a dirty beaver. I think that's by ship... I think that's where... Ship matron? Yeah. Right. Okay, by ship matron, yeah. Wash it, comb it, give it a trim. Is it a Brazilian? Oh, God. That's good. These comments, I'm surprised they were left on. They're obviously a bit risky down there, risque down in Plymouth. Yeah. By the mercenary says... So that's what a beaver looks like. Doesn't look good enough to eat to me. And I don't care what my mates say. <laughs> oh, God. This is a brilliant story, Rob. I don't know if you've heard about this. I haven't seen it necessarily reported anywhere else, but it is an amazing story. It's from down in Bournemouth Way again. The headline is, from the Bournemouth Echo, by Laura Kitchen. And the headline is, Why build a £5,000 Olympic sandcastle only to demolish it. A storm has erupted over a decision to spend five grand on a giant sandcastle on Weymouth Beach to mark the 100-day countdown to the Olympics. The castle took four days to build, but was knocked down immediately after the photographs were taken to mark the occasion because of safety fears. (laughs) Can I show you how remarkable this sandcastle is? That's impressive. Describe it for the... Uh, well, it's, they've actually like built a proper castle outside. They have, sand. yeah. I mean, there's people standing on top of it. I mean, it's quite a decent size, and obviously it's very, in a very sort of symmetrical sand castle type. But yeah, it's, it's quite impressive. I, I know Weymouth very well. Why? Um, because I used to, go, we used to go down there a lot um, on holiday. And there was, there's, there's a very good um, sand artist down there. I'm not sure that's, that's the official term. What the, f- what the hell is a sand artist? Well, someone who makes sculptures out How, of sand. Are they still there? Well, no, you, the, at the end of the day, the side will come in and wash them away, and you start again the next day. No, not the sand castles, you idiot. Is oh. it? You said there's a very good sand artist down there. Yeah, I think he's still there. I think there's a few of them. How would you know he's still there? You're just living... It's an educated guess. But, Rob, you are now... This is, we're talking about some 20 years later. You're assuming that this sand artist, as you've described him, is still there. I'm happy you know, the last time I went to Wayne with the He's dead, Rob. He's been washed out to sea. <laughs> With his creations. <laughs> Organisers have criticised have been criticised for wasting taxpayers' money on a sandcastle hardly anyone saw. However, Olympic officials have defended the decision to spend the money on the structure which was intended to gain worldwide publicity for the Olympic sailing events taking place in the borough this summer. They said a decision had been made prior to the sandcastle being built to knock it down immediately after photographs were taken as it could pose a safety risk if left unattended. The structure was created by local sand sculpture. I wonder if it's your yeah, sand see? Mark Anderson, was that his name? I've no idea. For the photo call ahead of yesterday, for yesterday's 100 days 
to go, Olympic Games countdown. The four metre by two metre sandcastle was funded by the London Organising Committee of the Olympic and Paralympic Games and the media event was organised in partnership with the Borough Council. Council and London 2012 officials who said at no stage was it unstable or unsafe but if left unguarded it could have collapsed on someone. So it's just crazy, crazy safety fears gone bad. Oh jeez. Why would you not just cordon it off? Uh, yeah, that would be... Or just put a fence around it. Yeah. yeah. Rather than knock it down. Comments. So you can imagine how much this exercise the, uh, the readers of the Bournemouth Echo. I can imagine. How on earth... This is uh, HRH of Boscombe says... How on earth can a sandcastle cost 5k? Really, I would love to know. Materials? Free. So I assume they expect us to believe they pay professional sandcastle builders 5k in labour. I think the bulk of that cost was probably absorbed by gout-laden councillors. Pat on the back, drinks and do's. John T says they should have waited a little longer, then said a boat collided with it and claimed the five grand back on insurance. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, uh, my next story, which is uh, the one that we were saving from last week, um, the Rich also submitted to us, um, is once again from the This Is Plymouth, and the headline is uh, Children Age 5 Gambling in Street. Child I g- once um, gambled in the street. Well, uh, uh, one of the, yeah, I once got in trouble f- at school because I got involved in a game of penny up the wall, which I'm not entirely sure. I, I'm not sure if it, what happens is you you flick pennies um, at the wall. Yeah, you flick pennies at the wall, and I can't remember what the rules are after that, but they're quite complicated. And I was playing it with a with 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 a, with, with a gang of neighbour worlds, really. <laughs> and what happened was, and I, I didn't normally associate myself with this crowd, but I got, I got I got caught up in this. Uh, it's a gambling game because somehow you keep the money if you win or whatever. Okay. And um, the uh, I think it was the deputy headmaster suddenly emerged from around the side of the school building, and they all legged it in a flash. I mean, I didn't even realise they'd gone. I was turned around, they'd all gone. And there was just me, and I. And I basically had to try and cover the, pen, the, the pennies and the two peas with my with my feet, cover as many pennies as I could. And so I was just standing there, like frozen, with my feet trying to cover. Happened. <laughs> and he just stood there and he said, "Lift up your left foot." And I lift up my left foot, and there were like some pennies and one piece. And he went right. Now lift up your right foot. So obviously, I had to put the left foot down. Obviously, yeah. And lifted up your right foot, and there were more pennies and uh, two pieces exposed. And I had to go to what was known in our school as the unit. And I think I spent, I think I spent. And my parents, I think, they were written a letter to about gambling not being tolerated in school. And I, I, I copped the flack for what actually should that that flack should have been distributed evenly between the six of us, and it wasn't. I, I had to take it, and it still haunts me to this day. Are you using this podcast to air a, a vendetta? Um, yes. Right. I have to say, they've got a very similar story where we used to play um, uh, blackjack, which in, in our um, tuition, not tuition, tutorial groups. Yeah. Before the start of school, we used to bet with one and two peas. And did you get caught? Um, we did. Did you spend your afternoon in a unit? No, we just got told to stop, stop doing it. But what's worse is you were just using like we were actually packs of packs of cards. We were actually properly gambling with them. Sorry, are you trying to upstage me and tell me what you were doing was more hardcore than what I was doing? I think penny up the wall beats blackjack any day. No, my point is, it is hardcore, and we had a lesser punishment. Anyway, so the the headline is Children Age 5 Gambling in Streets. I concede this point. Uh, child gamblers at young as five running up debts playing marbles on the streets oh, of the prospects. <laughs> no, they're prospects. not. They're not running up debts. <laughs> they are. And having to go down to cash converters with all their parents' <laughs> possessions. You make that joke. Okay, all right. On the streets of North, North Prospect, police have warned. Groups of up to 40 young people are gathering to play a game called Pits, which involves flicking pe- uh, uh, marbles into drains. 
Good game. Yeah. Um, police have received multiple complaints from parents saying their children owe money after placing bets. Um, there have also been reports of money, DVDs and PlayStation games going missing from homes to pay off debts. What, what a five-year-old is taking some PlayStation games and going to cash converters? Well, that's, that's what I speculate. Um, police are taking action over growing fears that children could be uh, pushed into shoplifting or fights. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, PTSO and Plymouth Community Homes housing officers are going door to door in North Prospect uh, tomorrow to talk to families about the growing problem. He says antisocial behaviour has been escalating the area with reports of arson, smashed windows and vandalism and fireworks often centred on houses uh, that have been left empty uh, due to ongoing uh, regeneration. Gambling is often thought as an adult behaviour. But over the last few months we have noticed an increase in young people in the North Pro- uh, Prospect area playing pits for money. Historically, this game would involve winning each other's marbles, but it's come to our attention that more and more children are playing uh, each other for money. I'm worried that people as, y- uh, people as young as six or seven could be causing themselves unnecessary stress due to owing money to their friends, and if the money, the money is not available to them, it can push them into shoplifting or fights. They need to be aware of the dangers gambling, gambling can cause. He said on dry evenings, groups of up to 40 young people aged from five to... On two... dry evenings? <laughs> dry no, okay. that's what he says on dry evenings. Uh, aged from five to teenagers right. <laughs> have been gathering around, pits, uh, gathering around in drains to play pits. The game involves <laughs> lifting, uh, lifting the covers of water meters outside properties and flicking marbles into the hole. Over recent weeks, we've been approached by, by uh, parents telling us that their kids are asking for money to pay back debts owed to other children. PC Amador continued. Do we know what the extent of these debts in are? It, well, he gets, goes on to say, uh, I've also heard that money had been taken out of purses and things around the house have gone missing like DVDs and PlayStation games. He said officers have, have, told, have been told of several children as young as seven owing 20 to 30 pounds to other children. Oh, 20 Which is a lot. That, at that age, that is a lot of money. I, I must admit. There must be some comments on this. There are. And there's a lot, there's a lot of mention of the thing called Swilly. Now, I th- yeah, I know. Swilly. And I think it must be the area. Right, okay. That this Norse prospect is. Uh, so, uh, by Green Army Face says, What do you want the council to do? It's Swilly, for God's sake. Oh, so this must be some like really rough area. Oh, this is what I'm assuming, right. yeah. yeah. Urchins uh, out on the street. Because uh, the other thing is that's peculiar about this story is marbles. I mean, I haven't seen anybody play with marbles since... Uh, well, since even before probably I was a kid. I mean, it's quite well, hard. It where, where do you even see marbles now being sold? Kids don't play with marbles. No, I mean, it's quite... I mean, with the, I, I, this thing's associated with maybe the Victorian era. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right, this, 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 this story, right? This is my last story, Rob. Um, I, I really did enjoy this story, so I've saved it for last. Okay. Um... It's about it's by the, it's from the new shopper and it's by Mark Chandler. Are you familiar with Horniman's Museum? Horniman Museum. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Have you been there? I think no, I haven't been. You there. could go there, Robert. Three. Yeah, but the exhibition just played for. So it's in Forest Hill and it's got a great name. I mean, it's got a funny name because the name is Horniman Museum. It's spelt H O R N I M A N, so it can be read Horniman, Horniman Museum. <laughs> but it's pronounced Horniman Museum. Um, the headline is. Horniman Museum booze plans threatened by jerk chicken pandemonium. <laughs> it's like somebody's <laughs> taken words randomly <laughs> and put them together. Because when I saw this, I thought, what? What? That, that's fantastic. Could you just read the headline out again? Horniman Museum booze plans right. threatened by jerk chicken pandemonium. <laughs> I mean, this is like somebody taking random words out of a hat. Horniman Museum booze pandemonium jerk chicken. 
That's fantastic. I bet you want to know what this story is about. Absolutely. A museum which wants an extension to its booze license has a fight on its hands from people who remember the pandemonium when 20,000 jerk chicken fans descended on the premises in 2009. Sorry, what? (laughs) Hungry masses flocked to the Horniman Museum event, craving a taste of the spicy Caribbean food and tempted by the appearance of reggae reggae sauce founder Levi Roots (laughs) and kids TV favourite... Fluella Benjamin. But the Forest Hill Museum has pledged people will not see scenes like those again. (laughs) (laughs) After it was claimed that roads were gridlocked, cars were parked in residence drive, (laughs) and people brawled in the street over spaces. (laughs) So they were fighting over jerk chicken. Scores of residents have written objection letters to Lewisham Council over new licence plans. One even claiming, during the festival there were numerous, quite appalling instances of visitors urinating... (laughs) And defecating in residents' front gardens. (laughs) David Lister, 67, of Sydenham Rise, told new shopper chaos was caused by the museum's lack of parking facilities. He said, the jerk festival was pandemonium. (laughs) I love the idea of the jerk festival. Being called the jerk festival. (laughs) People were just tearing parking tickets up and throwing them into the air. I had to cancel my family coming to dinner because people had parked in my drive. (laughs) People are parked in his drive. There were even cars on the lawn. How did this turn into a mass brawl? There were even cars on the lawn. Other people have raised concerns about drunks roaming the streets. Adrian Shen of Rog of Rokum Crescent wrote to the council saying, We do not wish this to be turned into a mini Glastonbury. If the application is approved at a licensing committee on Wednesday, April the 25th, the museum and gardens will be allowed to provide alcohol at its shop, cafe and events, along with providing entertainment for up to 15,000 people. The museum's current alcohol hours vary from event to event, with things like weddings having booze served until 11pm. The new application would see a blanket extension to 11.30pm every night. I feel quite, hot. I feel quite sorry for the Hornman, because it looks like all they're just trying to do is extend the life exams. But they had this average. one horrendous event. I, Rob, do you think it's worth me doing some research into this original event? Yeah, it just sounds amazing. So hang on, what shall I put in? Jerk? I'll be very ca- careful typing in jerk to, to, to Google, by what, the way. Jerk and Horniman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Rob, shall we uh, wrap this up then? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, so, <coughs> do you want to tell people how they can submit their stories to us? Yes, please email us at localanesthetichpodcast at gmail.com. And you're going to spell that, as is our tradition in the NATO alphabet. You're going to spell anesthetic out for people in the NATO alphabet. Rob, don't make that face at me. People enjoy this part of the show. I don't know this is true, Alex. We have somebody said, to say this. Somebody said to me recently um, that they enjoyed, the, 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 uh, uh, somebody at work said that they particularly enjoyed listening to you reading out the NATO alphabet and me being set a challenge. Okay, right, fair enough. Um, I'm sure that's a lie. No, it's true. Okay, uh, it's uh, Alpha November Alpha, Echo Sierra Tango, Hotel Echo Tango India Charlie. Okay, and I'm going to read it out in my version of the phonetic alphabet. You're going to set me a challenge, but before we do that, yeah. let's just reiterate that we can be found uh, at lapodcast.net is our website. We can be found on iTunes. Yep. Uh, our Facebook pages. Uh, Facebook page is www.facebook.com uh, forward slash local anesthetic podcast. And Twitter is at lapodcast. That's it. Yeah, the podcast. Yeah. So please tweet me. I I'm, I update both the, the Facebook page and the Twitter page. So yeah, just drop us uh, drop us a tweet or message. Right. What's my challenge, Rob? 
Okay. Film stars. Film, so movie stars. Movie so it's got stars. to be actresses or actors. Yeah. And, then, and so am I doing first name or last name? Um, to make it easier and hopefully a bit quicker. <laughs> <laughs> Either. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Yep. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. Something beginning with E. Uh, Edward Norton. Yep. Uh, something to do with this. It must be a Sam. Uh, Sam Samuel L. Jackson. Nice. Uh, Tony. Is there a Tony? Famous Tony. Terry. Can't even think of. Can't even think of male names beginning with with T. Thomas. Uh, is there a Thomas? Yeah, Tom. Tom maybe. Maybe there's a Tom. Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise. TC. Yeah. Of course. Thank you for that. Um, don't help me. Okay. Um, H. Uh, Henry. Horace. <laughs> <laughs> Horace. Yeah, there's a name Horace. Yeah, I don't think there's any film stars named that. Heather Heather Locklear yeah oh god I've that. okay uh, I've already had E what did I say for E uh, oh. Ed Norton Ed, Ed, Edward Ed Norton. Norton and I've already had T and I said Tom Cruise yeah I ooh what can I think of any names beginning with I I um Indigo uh Ian Ian no <laughs> no there's no Ians Ian think female female yeah Irina uh, no I'm really worried about my ability to do this. <laughs> I, she, uh, old, old movie star, in... Ingrid. I don't know the rest. Oh. <laughs> Isabel, Ian Roberts. It's a famous um, <laughs> British actor that most of you won't have heard of. Right, okay, I'll do, yeah, fine. And C. C. <laughs> C. She's <laughs> sure she's putting me off. <laughs> C. Um, just, this, is, this is actually as painful as it sounds. Stop. C. Oh, well, I can't even think of any names beginning with C. Right, no, don't help me. Oh. I will do it. Craig, hang on. There's a Craig. Isn't he played James Bond. Yeah. Craig, no, it's Daniel Craig. Doesn't count. Um, uh, uh. had a pencil moustache. Looked like Hitler. Hitler. Black. No, no, not the <laughs> black and white movie star. Had a cane. Oh, I know because you've helped me too much. I'm not going to use. Oh you. God. <laughs> If I said National Rifle Association, I'm not doing it because you're helping me. I want to come to it myself. It's hard. I'm trying to think of films. Please, before one of us dies. (laughs) I want to think of a woman. Okay. Beginning with C. Celia. This is terrible. Uh, Yeah. Can I just say as well that I, I, Ian Robertson, doesn't even exist. I understand you made that up. Who is the Ingrid woman you were saying? Ingrid Bergman. Oh, I've heard of her. Okay, right. Ingrid Bergman. Okay. Joint, joint venture. But for the C one, I want to do it on my own. We're going to be here all night, if possible. Uh, okay. Colin Firth! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, again, once that's a nice place to end. I'm really disappointed that I couldn't think of an, uh, one being with I myself. Do you want to try and think of another one now? Can you think of one? I don't think we've got that much time. Can you think of one? I did. Ingrid Bergman? Yeah. Okay, um... Uh, Isabel Lang. Is Isabel Lang a person? Where's uh, that come from? Isn't there an Isabel? There's an Isabel. Um, Isabella Rossellini. Isn't she a ballerina? 
I think she was in Blue Velvet, Rob. Ian Kerr? No. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I think Isabella Rossellini was in Blue Velvet. Oh, crap. Yes, she was. Isabella Rossellini. Yes! 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 I did it! I did it, and I'm going to... Excuse me, we did it. No, no, I just did it. I did it all by myself, <laughs> and I'm just going to go through them again. What was I? <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, Jesus. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, uh, um, what did I say for him? Uh, uh, Night, no, no, no. Well, I'll just go Neve Campbell this right, time. Do, yeah. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ed Norton. Uh, what did I say for S? No. Uh, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> what did I say for S? Sharon Stone, I'll just go with. Like Tom Cruise. What did I say for H? I went for ages around that. Uh, Heather Locklear. Heather Locklear. What did I say for E? Edward Norton. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Isabella Rossellini and uh, and uh, Colin Firth. This is like a really bad episode of Crystal Maze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got to get better at this. Can I just ask you? I want you to think carefully about my challenge each week. Don't just think of it on the hoof. Well, Next no, week I'm, I'm just... going to do so much better because this is worrying. This is really worrying. Yeah, this, this is. And I mean, even as I thought about it, it's still, you've still struggled. Well, no, but I'd like to point out, I might be struggling giving the answers, but you're struggling each week to come up with a <laughs> challenge. You can name anything. You can say, I don't know, vehicles, okay, all right, countries, okay. All right. anything. Okay, let's mix it up. Next week, you spell it phonetically and you put the challenge to me. How about that? Okay, but, okay. And then we'll change it back again. How about that? All right. Okay, for next week. All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Yes. God bless everybody. Alice has lost all the will to live. So have a lovely week and we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll speak to you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>